This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome to the My Old Man Said podcast. I'm David Michael, the editor of MyOldManSaid.com. Joining me to discuss a clash of the titans, Liverpool versus Aston Villa, Mr. Phil Shaw, Mr. Chris Bird. Welcome. Hello, mate. You okay? I am fine. How are you? Not too bad, thank you. (laughs) Good. I am glad that you are well. Today, we are recording this show with AI representations of ourselves. Thank you, Phil Shaw. It is good to be here. Yeah. Phil Shaw sounds exactly like he does normally, so... uh, (laughs) I think think Phil's on the beach in Monaco. (laughs) He's on the boat. He's sat on his yacht somewhere. No, no, no. You in good spirits, Phil Shaw. What have you been up to? Well, I'm I'm always in good spirits. Well, we know that. Why? What is your secret to life? Just not to care too much. That's it. About just, what? Your existence? Yes, exactly. About my existence. <laughs> I, I can't wait to be taken over by AI. Just take my brain now, put it into something, and just that's it. Done. <laughs> Deary me. Right. It was National Cinema Day on Saturday. It was, wasn't it? Which meant three pound tickets. So I, I finally did the, the Barbie and Oppenheimer combo. Oh. Back mm. to back. Oppenheimer. Back to back, sitting in the same seat. It was like five plus hours of cinema, as the Italians like to call it. Yeah. But uh, no, it was only six pounds. So that's uh, that's how we roll. That's how we keep it lean. And, let's keep the finances lean and mean. Which one did you do first? That'll determine your mood, leaving the I cinema. I went Barbie first. Ooh. See, I'd have done it the other way around, personally. Nah, I, 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 needed Barbie. I needed Barbie first, to be honest with you. I wasn't in the mood for Oppenheimer at that time. Okay. I did turn up 10 minutes late to Barbie, but I kind of got the gist of uh, what was going on. Back in the day, I would have seen these for free months before uh, they were released but uh, nowadays we we wait for national cinema day to (laughs) to scoop up things that we haven't seen i mean to be honest there were the only two offerings that were like watchable that i kind of wanted to see because it's still school holidays so a lot of the films they have on are like obviously for kids yes and lots of sort of reruns of old ones don't they i saw there was jurassic park was showing everywhere Harry but no, it was, it was a good afternoon, actually. It was a good way of just escaping, which is always one good reason to go to the cinema anyway. But I mean, when I used to go to festivals, sometimes you're doing four or five films back to back to back in a day. Oh, couldn't so, do that. It was good to get the muscle reflex back in. Get your, mem- uh, and, get your muscle memory going. Yeah, to get a good pl- five plus hours consecutive back in. And, and then uh, and then speaking of the total destruction, you decided you'd sit down and spend your sunny Sunday afternoon watching Villa get dismantled at Anfield. Slowly, a bit like the uh, the building of the atom bomb. Hmm. Although it wasn't that slow because it was it was exploded in the uh, the initial exchanges. This is the first time Villa haven't scored this season within the first twenty minutes. But we'll get on to that coming up in the show. We will uh, discuss what's happening. Uh, at Villa Park recently in the Villa News. Uh, there'll be media Muppets at the end, which is more like a review of the media and news. There's been a quite a little twist in it, if you haven't noticed yet. We're still trying to get Phil Shaw to get it down pat, but hopefully... Uh, yeah, my AI, my AI is letting me down, badly. You'll see, you'll see some progress this week in the execution, and then we'll get into what happened at Anfield uh, after we've done the three points. First of all, we like to kick off with some news. Are we going to be talking about the UK school system literally crumbling? 
around us? What, yeah, well, what's the problem? Is it just like buildings aren't fit for purpose? It's old, it's old cement called rack that crumbles. I mean, as if school uniforms aren't dear enough now that are expensive enough. Now you have to send them in with hard hats as well. I mean, it's a disaster. Yeah. Well, I thought we mentioned AI. You don't need to go to school anymore, do you? Nah. Well, one forecast of AI is probably going to eradicate 25% of universities for starters. But anyway, that's that's a debate for a, another podcast, another world, <laughs> other people. We're going to get stuck into the Villa News instead. like to start off with a bit of injury news. Carlos is the latest centre-back to get carried off. Apparently not so bad. It's not a season-long jobby, is it? Apparently not, according to uh, to Emery. That was his biggest frustration to take out of the game. So, Well, we don't know, but we know it's not long-term. So potentially back after the uh, international break. I-, I would rather have Mings back after the international break than Carlos, I must admit. But hey-ho, what else has been happening? Well, draws have been made. So our forthcoming uh, well let's say pre-christmas destiny has been set up uh, it's getting very busy isn't it first of all it's everton at home in the cup that will probably be decided by who plays the least weakest team uh, but you'd expect to get through everton currently if you're taking the if you want to take the league cup seriously good good opportunity to knock another premier league team out and there's a few all premier league ties actually aren't there there's some juicy ones that get rid of let's yeah. say decent teams New, newcastle city's a good one brighton chelsea's another it will thin out drastically After this round it will really open up the draw and if you get a bit of luck and if you get a decent draw in the next round then it's like actually you, you you've got a pathway there so yeah. i would take this everton game seriously dispose of them and then let's see how it all lines up agreed meanwhile uh, the europa conference league has been laid out and and actually it's i i would say it's a europa league level draw pretty much yeah, yeah. yeah certainly two of the sides are, are sort of european regulars yeah leger warsaw who are more like let's say recent polish probably the best polish performance in recent years i mean uh, it's like vids or lods or odds lods odds i I don't know i think it's a silent l in polish but they used to be like uh 80s force back in the day we would have played them if we beat juventus in the semi-final but uh, juventus beat them uh in the 82 83 but they were i always remember they were dominating then leger warsaw basically took over their mantle uh admiral akbar from holland az (laughs) yeah it's it's a trap it's a trap that is the potential trap, I, I would say. They're the team that, if we don't take care of business, could usurp the first place. We need to finish in the first place there. I mean, for example, if we beat Everton and take the League Cup seriously, then it's very handy to avoid that playoff round that you get if you finish second in the group of the Conference League because you go into a playoff, two-legged playoff against the teams that drop out of the Europa League. While I wouldn't fear any of those because it's third-place teams... It's just an annoyance of two extra games that you don't need in the calendar. So the idea is to win that group and then take it from there. I think it's good actually to, that we go to uh, Warsaw first, don't we? So we get probably the hardest trip out the way early before you're kind of potentially leggy from having to juggle the schedule too much. If the Dutch win in Warsaw, then that sets up them as the main threat. Mm-hmm. But we need to win there as well. If we don't win there, then then it becomes a bit of an open group, I think. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a. T- I would say it's tougher than I expected. Let's put it that way. Yeah, compared to some of the groups, which look very very pony. Meanwhile, uh, transfer window. It was more about the outs than the ins. Uh, Clement Longley came in from Barcelona. Essentially, as well, we need four centre backs. I think more. It's more cover for. We needed another left footer. More cover for Torres. Not exactly a replacement for Mings. It's more because he's not like for like. Is is more of the ilk of Torres, and that could be a good. He's more of a, a ball bad. player, I think. Because obviously, Emery wants to knuckle down on on getting the a way of playing down, and so Torres was to get injured. Then you, at least you would have continuation in that for better or worse. On the outs, Keenan Davis ends up at Udinese, which seems really random. But then you've got to remember there's a bit of a Watford connection there, isn't he? Because he was yeah. on loan there. And then obviously Watford owners have a link with Udinese. So you can see how that's actually manifested itself. But certainly from his point of view, it's an interesting uh, move for his career, which potentially wasn't looking like it was going to go anywhere good. 
because he was even struggling in the championship, really, wasn't yeah. he, in terms of... His main thing is his fitness, isn't he? He always picks up injuries. Yeah, but the fact that we've managed to make profit on him is good. Obviously, Bidace has gone out the door, hasn't he, to Hull, yeah. which made we've made good money on him. And then, of course, the big one was Archer going to Sheffield United for a, a pretty hefty fee. As soon as he scores, you knew it was going to be, oh, why did we let him go? Why did we let him go? Well, you know, he's only scored one goal in the, in the Premier League. And, it, and everyone scores against Everton. If he gets to double figures, then you might be able to start that debate. But he played uh, Lincoln City in his debut and failed to score there, and they got knocked out by the Imps. So, see, he, he's just not up for the big games, is he? It's a good finish, though, wasn't it? <laughs> it was a good finish, that one against When Everton. it comes to the big games, though, Bud, again, like yeah. against the Imps in the Cup, nowhere to be seen. I think it's going to be a running theme all season. Every time he scores a goal or assists a goal, that's what the, the narrative's going to be. Yeah, but uh, get back to me if he gets into double figures this season. Uh, but we, you know, we you wish him well because he is a good finisher. And I think, to be honest with you, I think the setup there up front, the big man and him, it is potentially better, better for him there than it was at Villa because you couldn't really see him alongside Watkins. You needed somebody who perhaps can carry it a bit more wider or you know scheme behind. And we, you couldn't see him playing on his own instead of Watkins, really. So there to have McBurney up with him, uh, probably going to serve him well, actually. Seb Revan signed a new deal and was sent out straight to Rotherham. That's a bit of a poison chalice, isn't it? New, <laughs> hmm. new contract? Yeah, sign it here. Oh, what's this clause here that I didn't read when I signed it? Oh, you're after Rotherham. Yeah, oh, shit. <laughs> well, I saw Louis Barry. He did, he did a similar thing, didn't he? And he scored an absolute blinder for uh, for Stockport this weekend. It's a good way just to retain a little bit of their Value, yeah, I think, it's the way it goes. It's, I'm, you know, obviously, I'm joking, but uh, it is it is quite funny nonetheless. Internationals. I think it's good that certain players haven't made their international squads. But you have Martinez going off. You have Zaniola going to the Italian national team. Torres is off with Spain. Tillemans off with Belgium. Kalliman, who played against Hibs, uh, has been called up to the England 19s as well. Yeah, he had a big choice to make because he had represented Northern Ireland, but then unfortunately he, he looked to be a bit better than that. He should have been in the senior squad, let alone the under-19s <laughs> at Northern Ireland. <laughs> I, I don't hold it against him or anything, it's fine, carry on. No, no bitterness? No, bitterness. No, no, not yet. Rachel Daly has been named Women's PFA Players Player of the Year. Did, did she go on holiday because she wasn't at the ceremony, was she? I have no idea. This, I mean, it was a real, uh, I think Lauren James was there and there was Harland and it was so obviously won the, yeah so she missed the chance you know she'd have been up there with harland getting all the photos taken and in terms of bigging up profiles but she must have been on holiday because she hasn't rejoined the villa, villa squad, team yeah. in spain yet in other news ex villa winger el ghazi <laughs> and penalty taker has had his psv contract terminated so he's a free agent i don't know if that was terminated because he's orchestrated a move somewhere just as they get into the champions league as well which is a shame for him but you would have thought that if he was going to make it in uh well let's say in europe that was a good move for him uh, the mm. psv because after what happened at everton you thought well that's probably him over in the premier league but going back to the dutch league to one of their you know major forces at least he can play european football so i don't know if he's going to end up in saudi or, or what's going to happen there is a few floating around free agencies where there is an intrigue to what happens next like uh De Gea as well, ex-United keeper. He thought he was going to be some kind of headline goalkeeper, but people again, well, actually there's a better value around. Goalkeepers that know how to deal with a near post and use their hands instead of their feet. Hmm. Before we go on, helping to support the show, NordVPN are offering a bumper deal to start the season off with where you can get an extra four months free on top of uh, huge savings on the personal choice when it comes to VPN, of my old man said, if you want to protect your privacy on your devices and while you're browsing, then NordVPN allows you to use it on six devices. And of course, one of the key attributes of a VPN is it allows users to watch sporting events, TV shows, films, which aren't available in their region by switching their virtual location to a country where you can watch it. Perfect for those 3 p.m. kickoffs on Saturday or 2 p.m. kickoffs on a Sunday for the untelevised games in the UK. To grab your exclusive discounts 
off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com slash moms and you'll receive four extra months for free. And there's a no risk Nord 30 day money back guarantee as well. You'll find the link uh, in the episode description notes as well. So check it out. Right. Three points. The Saudi Pro League obviously played a big part in the transfer window. We've spoken about what the Premier League, uh, Mr. Masters, said about them. Now it's the turn for the UEFA president, Alexandra Seferin, to dispel them as a threat. He said, we saw a similar approach in China. They bought players at the end of their careers and offering them a lot of money. Chinese football didn't develop and they didn't qualify for the World Cup afterwards. It's not the right way to go. They should work on player and coach development, but that's not my problem. The Chinese Super League was curbed by a transfer tax in 2017. But I mean, the Saudi Pro League, I think they've got money budgeted for years to come. And of course, it's the government that are kind of running this. I mean, the, the PIF, the Public Investment Funds own, owns four of those clubs. So they're playing with government funds, aren't they? Like yeah, seriously. Yeah, the, the Chinese League was a, like a lot of in China, so this stuff, it, it's kind of built on a false economy that the Saudi one is comes from serious wealth and and a lot of hot air as we found out uh, in terms of China and yeah. their promises we found out to our cost but at least the one thing he did say was he dismissed the notion of any Saudi teams playing in the Champions League just fundamentally because they're not European so at least he's quoted as saying that that's something point number two the transfer spend goes to another level. I don't think the players are necessarily getting better in football. They're just getting ridiculously expensive. Very. Premier League spent 2.36 billion on new players, which is 440 million more than last season, which was just under 2 billion. And this is why suddenly people are raising their eyebrows at tournaments like Europa Conference League in terms of the fairness of it, which at this point in time, we don't give a shit about that. Premier League transfers accounted for 48% of total spending across the big five European leagues, which just shows you the dominance at play here. I mean, Chelsea are almost like their own economy, aren't they? Yeah. Oh, it's staggering, Chelsea. Spent more than 380 million on 10 players in this transfer window, more than any, any side in Europe. The highest summer spend of any club in the world before now had been Real Madrid's 292 million in uh, 2019. And when I'm saying about players not necessarily getting any better, I couldn't really, I couldn't name half of those 10 players that Chelsea have bought. That's just probably my ignorance to matters outside of Aston Villa. But if you're spending 380 million, you, you should, as any football fan, kind of know their names off the top of your head that shows you how innocuous it can be you can spend that much money on players and it's not as if they're buying like household names if you know what i mean no they just seem to be trying to buy the future yeah and this takes chelsea's outlay since uh this is like since what's his name bole yeah, took over Bowley. took over from abramovich is now close to one billion i think it's actually over the billion mark nine just with yeah. the end of the window depending on what currency you use which is more than the, the Saudi Pro League clubs have actually spent, which is, as we, uh, well, maybe it's just gone above that as we speak, but uh, six, $690.5 million with $245 million of, that, million of that on Premier League players. That's the fourth highest spend in the world this summer behind the Premier League, La Liga 1 and Syria. Speaking of Syria... Point number three, AC Milan players face sanctions after they uh, were singing anti-Juve songs on the bus celebrating their win against Roma. I, w- I was singing anti-Juve songs in the Uber back from uh, Villa beating Hibs. So uh, what's wrong with that? <laughs> I don't know. It's, 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 it's just it's gone rage, mad. I mean, yeah, I mean, they're, they're willing that they're going to sanction players for singing anti-Juve songs on a bus celebrating and yet they've taken a while to sanction Juve for like, all their financial misdemeanors. I mean, <laughs> yeah. is, this a, is this a new crackdown? Yeah, it's not as if uh, Juve are beyond uh, reproach in terms of uh, having songs sung about them. They they're do very serve- unlikable. They do serve up enough reasons to, uh, let's say, have a go. 
But yeah, I think it's this is it's a bit overkill. If they didn't make a fuss of it, nobody would. Uh, it wouldn't really register as a thing. It's the fact they've made a fuss of it m- kind of magnifies it, and then it does become a thing that uh, people might follow in a parrot fashion. Before we go on, a massive uh, thank you to the My Old Man Said members, and especially those who joined us for the Liverpool Match Club. We were expecting a classic match club against Liverpool, but really the game really didn't take off as a contest. But that's not our fault. It's not our members' fault. It's uh, the people on the pitch. But thank you very much for joining us nonetheless. And uh, special thanks to uh, the new members as well this week. Thank you to Tom Lilly for signing up as a new member. And then also members for uh, upgrading to annual membership liz morgan robert o'reilly and anders breland when you become an annual member you do get 10 percent off which is just over a month free and by becoming a my old man said member you get ad free podcasts extra shows access to the wonderful world of match club are many faceted in a sanctum what else do you get, Phil? A sense of belonging to a yes, community. That's a good one. And you get an escape from the the hysteria that you find on other social media sites. Yeah, a smarter, funnier experience, for sure. And some brilliant emojis, I might add. Oh, it's <laughs> essential. They're elite. <laughs> elite level. But also, uh, you know, sometimes we have get-togethers and there's a free bar because we have sponsors. So there's many layers of uh, intrigue, but we always look after our own. That's the uh, the main thing here. But please do go to myomansaid.com, click on the membership link for more details there. Next match club is Leisure Warsaw. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Right, let's get into this game at Anfield. It promised to be a slugfest two potential top four titans going for it unfortunately it only looks like one one of the teams is going to threaten the top four is that too negative at this no, stage that's just realistic david yep. yeah yeah that's what i thought as soon as mings went i did say that does compromise i think where we're going to finish it doesn't compromise us in the conference league where i think that's going to end up hopefully uh, the trophy uh, will end up at b6 but in terms of premier league i think it does change things and this was really uh, the first test of that because up until our trip to anfield we've been playing teams that work for part of the cause you expect to win they were like routine games really if filler have any sense of standing in this league you expect to a beat the likes of everton at home Burnley away and then you know when it comes to uh, the other two games we played home and away against Hibs I mean you should be spanking them and we did Liverpool though was a different situation one thing you needed from the lineup was Martinez to be fit to get rid of any excuses and he was fit so it all looked good three centre-backs continuing with uh, Konza starting at that kind of hybrid right-back position with Matty Cash pushing up in more of a right midfield slot the only Notables on the bench difference really was then Donker making his first Premier League appearance on the bench and then Clement Longley straight in and was getting stripped off to come on actually after Diego Carlos is injured but there was a change of plan 
but more of that in a second. Right, as I mentioned at the top of the show, Villa normally start fast, and they normally score in the first 20 minutes, but after 22 minutes of this game, it was game over, pretty much. It was a pretty Where where do you go on from there? Tell me, what happened in the first 22 minutes? Well, I mean, it's one of those things. Everyone says Emery is the you know master tactician. He has a plan for every side he plays against. Well, I think it's like a boxer says your your fight plan or your game plan only lasts until you get smacked in the mouth. And good analogy there, yeah. Phil. Sure, belt that mate. Yeah, they smack themselves in the mouth after what two minutes and forty seconds. I mean, there's been a lot of worshipping of Torres as one of the greatest ball playing centre backs of all time. I mean, he's he's a wannabe Franz Beckenbauer, but there's still question marks, and there's always has been. And people who have mentioned them online—I'm not talking about ourselves—but we do on this show—they've uh, been shot down in flames when they've questioned his defending. They have, they but have. and when they've asked fairly, what I would say, fairly balanced, fair questions of him—you know—is he good on the ball? Absolutely, but is he? Yeah. A, is he a thoroughbred centre half who dominates in the air, dominates on the ground, one to one, etc.? On the evidence of this. No. First three minutes, no. Not yet. He's, he's, he's used to a much slower game, isn't he? And there's there's two thoughts here. In the, the prosecution, you would say, well, he's been in the Champions League shop window big time in a semi-final. He's been in a Europa League final, successfully winning. In a team that normally gets picked off by the big, big boys. But nobody went for him. He was, he's been a Villarreal player for a, for a while, well after you thought he would have been picked off. So Premier League teams, have they dismissed him as being good enough for this league? Or even just other Spanish sides or Italians? Yeah, I don't know. Of course, there's only a certain amount of clubs and there's, uh, there's players out there that you don't need to be buying the, the crown jewels of certain teams if you can buy somebody on the similar level for, you know, third of the price. Yeah, well, yeah maybe, they, maybe the Premier price League doesn't normally work like that. The Premier League would swoop in if possible. Spurs were interested, and I, I hate to say it, but y- you could have seen him in a Spurs team, the way he's been playing at the start of this season. He, he, what a Spurs he signing, you could call him. I mean, just not quite right. I mean, I think he'd be he'd be perfect in a team like Man City that don't get pressed very much. You could, you, I'm surprised that they didn't go for him, but if, if they didn't see something there as well, there is there is concerns. So in his defence, you know, sometimes centre-backs do take a while, especially when you play a certain distinct way, and he's been, he's been brought in to be the head of an evolution of how Villa play and Liverpool. I thought it was the first real test because he had so much time against Everton. He had time against Burnley. And Hibs, of course. Yeah, he's picked some great passes and deservedly got the plaudits for them. But but you knew the first test was Liverpool because yeah. they actually press and, and they're, they not gonna, right they're not going to give him f- half an hour on every pass. No, they got yeah. on top of him from the first whistle. Yeah, but, but def- sorry, I'm, def- I'm in I'm in defence mode here oh, before you hatchet him apart. But uh, in his defence, so he's he's like the head of uh, the the evolution, and these these things take time to bed they in. Do. And some centre backs, they, they they take us, you know, they can be question marks for a whole season, and then it clicks the you know the season after. I mean, I gave uh, an example, a bit of a, a dated example that Ken McNaught when he came to Villa from Everton. This is going back to the seventies. He was big question marks over him. And then he ended up being the mainstay of a centre-back partnership that won the league and the European Cup and Super Cup. He scored in the Super Cup. So these things do take time. I mean, John Stone, he was a bit dubious, wasn't he? I mean, he's still dubious. He can be dead defensively. He's he can, I've got at, but, but, you know, he took a, a season to really uh, win the crowd over. You know, we're not dismissing him at this stage, but we knew this would be a test. And and to be honest, it's not one he passed. No, but in his defence again, whenever he did make the mistake for the ball to go out for the corner, he did get his foot in and make sure that it wasn't a goal straight from that. So he's not a lost cause by any means. I think we'll ju- we're, you're going to have to judge Torres probably on the second half of the season. It'll take a little while to get used to the pace because the, the pace and the intensity of the Premier League is so different to anything he'll have had, especially when the way Spain playing international football as well. He's so used to possession football that you've seen the games we have already. When we have a lot of the ball, he's great. When he actually yeah. has to do the real nuts and bolts, you know, defending stuff, he either needs someone next to him who can do that or he's going to need help. And I, and I wonder if that's why uh, Embry's been leaning towards a back three in the last few weeks. Yeah, I think so. Uh, I think that it's part of the compensation of Mings. Yeah. Mings covers well. He's very good at uh, recovering, isn't he? Yes. Yeah. Well, he's, well, he's, he's the king of like last last ditch tackles, isn't he? Yeah. You need two players to kind of compensate for, for that. But also what was missing was aerial domination. And we we still, even with three players, don't have 
the coverage that Mings gives you. What you're talking about, nuts and bolts there, we're kind of lacking in that department. But Liverpool will go any which way to break you down. They'll go direct. They'll I remember back when when we were 1-0 up when we didn't have Grealish that time and they were just putting in those diagonal balls, which I was, I was talking about on the podcast at the time, just until they broke us down. It was like a war of attrition. And finally, we, we, we cracked in the in the last five minutes or so. Yeah, so we, we don't have that resistance, I don't think. No, and to use Phil's analogy, you know, the boxing one, I think you know, you've know you gone a goal down early uh, from the resulting corner after sort of Torres um, obviously gives away the, a, a pretty cheap corner, to be honest. Ball comes out to the edge of the box, smashed in through the crowd. And uh, you know, at that point, Martinez can't do anything about it. It's, it's quite questionable if it's not offside. I'm, I'm really interested to see, you know, at the time of recording, we haven't seen a lot of the, the post-match sort of breakdown. Martinez was waving for it, wasn't he? Yeah, because he's come right through the crowd and I think it's Sal- Salah's right in front of him, yeah. And it might even have flicked in off Torres' knee as well. I mean, yeah. the, guy's, the guy's hit it, he's absolutely caught it perfectly. I mean, it's, go- it's going like a rocket and then Torres has sort of like dangled the knee, maybe even thought about pulling it away again. I think it's just flicked him and went in off the post. So that'll be a, a bit of a dubious one. I know at the, the halftime point, some of the pundits were talking about th- that's quite questionable when the second one goes in. And then, of course, you've lost Diego Carlos. And I think that, and that's the big one, really, because I think Emery said that after the game that the biggest frustration was losing Carlos. And then, of course, the, the game plan completely changed. And then. Well, also mentally, sorry to interrupt, but mentally, you've got that situation from a player's point of view where you know about the Buendia situation. And then you've played a game where you've lost Mings as well. And of course, they've been wearing these T-shirts. And then it's like another one. And it's like, oh, this isn't our season. You, you, yeah. You're starting to have doubts. Yeah. Did, did the plan have to change? I mean, you saw Langley getting stripped out. He didn't have to change the plan. I mean, Bailey didn't do badly when he was on the pitch because he was brought on for Carlos. But again, like St. James is away, Anfield away. I'm not throwing Bailey in at Anfield away. Not especially at that point in the game. Not, not when point, you're, no. you know, it's backs to the walls and you need to be resolute and... You know, you, you can, you're going to get chances, but you're going to have to earn the opportunity to do it. And actually, at 2-0, Villa did kind of throw a couple of punches, didn't they? And while Liverpool were comfortably the better team, you know, there was the opening where I think it's Diaby slides in McGinn. McGinn should hit the target. You'd argue maybe should score. There's the chance when Dina pulls it back and Watkins and Bailey make a complete fucking mess of it. We had some chances. I think Diaby flashed one wide. Sorry, going back to Phil's point, though, you bring in on, as you said, we were only 1-0 down at that stage where Longley looks like the man coming on, changes his mind. And as Phil said, that surely you stick with your system, don't you? Yeah, because a lot of managers will be patient and and cool, even though one nil down. Let's stick to the plan because the whole idea of playing this way is, you know, to still win this game. So you have got to fancy you're going to score at least once, and then to throw Bailey one was like, well, you've just spent I don't know how many days in preparation for this game to play a certain way, and now you just you're throwing it out of the window straight away, which didn't kind of make any sense. And within three minutes, we were two nil down. And then you've got a mountain to climb, of course. And that second goal annoyed me because that second goal from Liverpool is just a long ball over the top of the high line and you have pace in behind it. Nunes just burned through and he should have scored, hits the post and it just comes out and Cash had no chance. It goes in off his foot and into the, in the net. But what, what annoyed me is, look at Villa's striking lineup at that point on the pitch. They had Watkins, they had Diaby, Bailey's just on. None of them are slow. Why wasn't Villa playing it a bit more direct a bit more long against a makeshift Liverpool centre-backs I mean yeah that's what I thought Villa were going to do the whole game yeah as Bud used to say uh turn them around (laughs) turn around yeah Yeah, it's turn around hit the corners because I just especially with players like that you know Alexander-Arnold with the ball is as we know pretty devastating but he can't defend and I just think why would you not go go on then face your own goal and let's just see what you can do and just kind of get yourself up the field because you know, when you're trying to play out from the back when they've got a three-man press with really quick, you know, very mobile, nimble guys, you're going to have to play some seriously sharp football, aren't you, to play through that press? And then when you're onto them, great, but there's no guarantee you're going to be. I just think if you can get yourself up the pitch and sort of, to, to use another overused one, set up a bit of a base camp and allow yourself to build a platform. They're all coming can, out. They're yeah. all coming out, aren't they, today? All the cliches <laughs> in a 3-0 defeat. But it's um, you give yourself a chance. I just, I just thought the way we played... It really played into Liverpool's hands and we kind of, our style and approach to the game, especially in the first half, it just complemented the way Liverpool wanted to approach the game. And they must have thought going into the game, well, well, they clearly did because Klopp had said beforehand, we've got to be right on our A game here against a very well-drilled Villa side. And actually, I didn't think Liverpool had to be that good. No, Klopp, as we were, we were expecting a contest here and... 
I mean, even at half time, where you've seen what's happened, and you know, in your heart of hearts, you're thinking, "This, we're not convinced here." But still, it is. If you score the next goal, then it turns into a firefight. You've got a bit of momentum. Of course, you know that you're going to yeah. have to be open up, and Liverpool are devastating on the counter. And we had the so. chance, didn't we? Cash had the big chance. You know, it's a great save from Allison. But then they go up the other end and score the third, and then it is game over. Salah, what's that? Seven in seven against us. They made a bunch of subs on the 65th minute just to basically freshen it up, really. And because they could. We took off Bailey, who shouldn't have probably come on in the first place at that juncture of the game. He just storms straight off down the tunnel, doesn't he? Yeah. And so, you know, if you're looking at Emery, you're thinking, well, he's, he's had a bad day because A, he should have stuck to his system that he spent days drilling you know and at one nil it wasn't uh going anywhere shit happens but within three minutes of putting bailey on changing the system they were two nil down game over pretty much and then he takes him off again what, what's that going to do to this guy yeah. who's actually finding some form but now he's got a reason to have a bee in his bonnet he does because the Di- was probably villa's best player in the day but you, you could have took off the i mean it, the game was gone i mean it's yeah. they're not coming back from that leave bailey on so yeah the game's gone so why piss him off like that after you've bought him on when perhaps he wasn't the logical choice anyway this is not a good day in the office for Emery and you don't normally say that because he's normally been spot on he's had a couple this season hasn't he already especially away from home yeah they're difficult places to go but I think that the broad broad narrative for me from this one was we went into it and I know me and you had recorded David talking about this is the litmus test this is where we see exactly where we're at we see if the Newcastle game or how much of a a problem that game was because we played you know the context that we hadn't really played anyone in and around us you know that Newcastle are a lot better than us Liverpool are a lot better than us we've beaten teams who are a lot worse than us Yeah, but I don't necessarily know if are we, are we we're definitely not as good as we think we are we're maybe not as bad as we think we are either but I just I just have a feeling it's going to be quite a frustrating kind of bumpy period between now and Christmas because I think we're going to be bedding players in we're going to have a lot of games and I think we can probably look forward to a good second half of the season but I, I just think we're going to have to kind of get through some of these games and as long as we're beating the teams that we should be beating we'll be fine after the Mings injury and that's saying that that's already with Buendia in sick bay I mean I I, I said those two injuries and it wasn't a reaction to the Newcastle result at all. It was just the wider context. The wider context of last season and, and Moreno and last Ramsey, season of we had enormously. that kind of streetwise snappy attitude of Ashley Young. We got Mings. You've got Buendia. A bit of shit house from him. The aggression of Ramsey that he gives you. This is going through the team, and then suddenly. You've lost Buendia, you've lost Mings, you've terminated, released Young, and suddenly you're down on on that. You know, Martinez as well is part of that as well. That key characteristic of your team, which which did definitely get us over the line and and got us into Europe, and was behind that charge. But now, where where are the leaders? Where where are the people kind of inspiring that? And that is a concern. And so when we lost those two players, I, I you know I put out a tweet which basically said, I think this will compromise where we'll finish in the league. First of all, it downgraded us from oh you know the dark horses for top four, which was a possibility. And now we're at top six, where it depends on how weak other teams are. Really, if your Chelsea's stay like lame ducks, but the Conference League gives us that back door, and I keep banging on about it, and, and I'm still laughing at the the guy who said, "Oh, you don't want us to end up like West Ham did last season." And you think, well, what with an open top bus parade in May, qualification for the Europa League, and a first and trophy a, since 1996. I'll take that 100 percent because it doesn't really matter where you finish from seventh down to. 17th any of those positions I'd take West Ham over that any time of the week and by the way I would take what happened to West Ham above finishing 5th or 6th because you win a trophy and get into the Europa League why if you just finish 6th for example you just get into the Europa League well you achieve both of your goals yeah because the, the reality is the league season kicks off and we're not Any playing to win the league. Any West Ham had a failed season last season are, are you know, mugging themselves. They had a better season than we did. But they dropped off in the league, but it's, it depends how you frame it. But it doesn't really matter, does it? Because nope. what they did achieved more than what we did for this season, going into this season. What we hoped from last season was that momentum would carry on. And, you know, of course it still will, but we've, we're missing parts from that momentum and what I've just said, that, that kind of characteristic of the team, the attitude yep. was, if you include Martinez, it's almost like half the team had the right attitude, the fighting, gnarly leadership attitude. 
And now we're missing that, I think, from the team. And also, I mean, we spoke about this in Match Club, that the away game at Anfield last year, you know, we'd come off a pretty sticky period on the road, hadn't we, before? And we'd lost at United, Wolves, drawn at Brentford, hadn't played particularly well at that point, but it was a huge game. And you had your big hitters in there, you had your Mings, Buendia was in the team, you had Moreno, who was huge, Ramsey, who was huge, who scored. They're, all got, they're, they're not in the team in that, in that yeah. game at Anfield. And it kind of shows, you know, we were weak down the left-hand side, I thought. We didn't have the ball-carrying ability that Moreno, Buendia, Ramsey give you. You know, you can bring on Zani early, you can bring on Duran, but they are not players who are there leading the team. They're new, you know, they're finding yeah, their feet. They're not quite there yet. It's it's a kind of almost like we're almost in a straight, we've ended up in a weird transition. You hope that kind of come the end yeah. of the, the international break, you get your Ramsey back, you get Moreno back. Because for the first time this season, actually, you looked at the starting lineup at Anfield and you kind of go, oh, starting lineup looks pretty good and the bench looks great all of a sudden. But what you realise is you are in a, a, that kind of semi-transition where you thought you were sprinkling players on top of a well oiled machine yeah. which was going to give you an advantage over Spurs which was going to give you an advantage over Chelsea even against Manchester United and Liverpool because these are all teams that are in transition full transition and we find ourselves in a similar position because of injuries we're having to find a new way to compensate for what we've lost which was you know winning formula before just one thing in terms of the Bailey coming on on the 19th minute if you wanted to change things and you weren't going to go for uh, Clement Longley because you thought well this is throwing him into the frying pan here what about bringing Tillemans on as an extra midfielder do you think there's any was there any merit to that potentially and put Diaby out wide you mean and almost play like a sort of like a 4-5-1 perhaps and flood the midfield and go after the new because they've got a new look midfield we said this on the weekend that they had a new look midfield that you could play through which I thought we did in periods reasonably well and a back line that was you know the sort of a makeshift centre half pairing and we never got after it enough no, because I was just thinking Tillemans might give you a bit more control. Yeah, Tillemans, Dan Donker, like he played against Newcastle. I know he's a bit rusty because he's only back in, but there was lots of options. I mean, Bailey would have been, to be honest, the last option that I would have threw on. I would yeah. put on anybody else apart from Bailey, and that's not against Bailey. Yeah, I think in that kind of game, you bring Bailey on with sort of 20 minutes to go. If you if it's sort of 2-1, you're in the game, you think, right, we're going to have a right good go now. Then you bring yeah. him on, brilliant. And you go, you, you sort of tell him, go and, go and win us the game, give us a moment of magic. I mean, it's, it's almost like in folklore now that Bailey good at home against shit opposition you don't play him away against good opposition it's kind of getting that way isn't it anyways uh, we don't really have to say much more about this game another one to put under the you know, it, draw, it was a disappointment first question marks against Emery because of that substitution at that time of the game yeah we'll, 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 yeah, we always have, have sort of like a key stat and in this one the, the one that sort of maybe a little bit more cause for a longer term worry is Ollie Watkins has scored one in 11 of his last league games Dragging back to last season, you know, since that 3-0 win over Newcastle, where, of course, he was so good. Are teams wise to him? Or is he just having another one of these sort of streaky periods where he's you know, out of sorts a little bit? He didn't get much service at Liverpool. I don't think he's been necessarily that wasteful in front of goal. But He just thought he was a bit passive against Liverpool because that that's, those centre-backs at Liverpool were there to be got at. That's Watkins' game, was harassing mm. them. He didn't. And Trent, he was- especially. Yeah, he was 10 yards off them the whole game and then that one where Bailey and him messed it up. If Watkins indicates that he's making the run, if he goes to the ball instead of waiting on it, Bailey doesn't even try to get that. Bailey had to go to the front post to get something on because he thought, he's not going for that. I need yeah, to go they, for this ball. They both made a bit of a hash of that one. The thing about Watkins, I think it's because he scored a few goals in pre-season because when you say one goal in 11, you think, no, that doesn't sound right. It sounds a bit weird. It's because he scored goals in pre-season. And of course, the hat trick at Hibs. Yeah, it feels like he's been scoring. So it, it is a bit of a. I wouldn't be too concerned at the moment because not as if he's lost his ability overnight. No, no, not at all. And he's not been getting a lot of chances. That was the key stat. So fancy Premier League top Villa man. Well, it's not a good sign when it's a tie. But you've a tie between three. It's even worse sign. Louise, Diaby, and Watkins all managed two points wow. for just turning up. It's not a good look. That I made this cardinal sin of putting Villa players in my team and it's already uh, proven to implode on me. Although uh, Diaby's been alright to be fair. Emery's clipboard stroke touch count. Scott Hogan had to face off against Millwall Wesley was at home to Preston what was your combined tally? I went with 56. And what was mine? Did you really go for 55 Chris? I did, I did a bit of a Dan Rogers on this one. Yeah well Scott Hogan Mr. Penalty. I think he's got Watkinitis. What a waste of a touch. One of his one touches. In their one-all draw of Millwall, but he racked up 23 touches, I think, before he went off. And then Wesley. Wesley is a new man. He 
played the whole game. They don't even sub him now. They got beat 2-0 though, so maybe they should have subbed him. But he came in with 34 touches, so I'll uh, see if Phil can add these up. What's 23 plus 34, Phil? 57. Congratulations, 4-0. Wow. Missed out by one. Now that's pretty, uh, pretty astounding. That's that's the Wesley factor. That's that's all the difference. So Stoke first eleven. Phil did three ex Villa players. Can you name the other two? Ooh. Uh And what about you, listeners? Can you name the other two? What the other two people who are listening? <laughs> <laughs> boom boom. I'm trying to think. I mean, you do very well. To, unless you follow Championship football, you're doing well to get this. I'm trying to think he plays for Stoke. Who used to Does play Elfick for us? Does play for them now? Does Ender Stevens there? He is. Oh, good he one. Left, he left Sheffield United, didn't he? Yeah. Was it in and the summer? It's 33 now, which not, is, is astounding, because I still consider him to be mid-20s. Who else would be there? The other guy is also in his 30s, and this is like, wow, is he 30 already? You won't get this, I don't think. Somebody who... Is he like and a, this is, a youth team player or something? Yeah, used to be. Where did he play? For, where did he go before? Well, here's the clue. He was racked up, and this is astounding to me, because I thought, is he really 30 years old? And then he's seen that he's racked up 312 games for Preston. Oh, uh, Johnson. Yeah, Daniel Johnson. Didn't even realise he'd gone there. Uh-huh. Yeah, he's getting close to retirement. I still think he's, you know, kid. <laughs> <he's> 22 <laughs> or something. <laughs> wow, bloody hell. So uh, anyway, next week you've got the Blues at Watford, Stoke away at Norwich. What's what's your Hogan Wesley combo? I want to say fifty three. I want to go down slightly for it to be valid. You've got to be within five. Phil Shaw. I'm going lower again. I'm going forty four. And just in case we need a marvelous tiebreaker, Luton are away at Fulham. What are you going for? Luton away at Fulham. Tough one that. Marvelous fifty on the nose. You know. No, you're not getting 15 unless it's 50 blocks. Um, 32. <laughs> 32. Right, that's enough of that. Right, time for Media Muppets. Right, what's been swelling around in the Media Muppet world? Phil Shaw. Well, the expect- expectation going into the last week of the transfer window was more bodies in at Villa, especially with the outgoings of Cameron Archer, Keenan Davis and Philogene Bidius. Yeah, pe- uh, people still buy into the myth of deadline day but unless you're a forest fan and i suggest if you're really into deadline day go and support forest because was it eight on deadline day like crazy yeah the the whole thing went into hyperspace whenever the headlines emerged of aston villa being approached by two clubs for their superstar and who who was the superstar and emery was open to sell him who was the superstar coutinho wasn't it i mean i i saw the uh as the mystery you know it was the clickbait title superstar it was evident from through the week that there was no links, no rumours, nothing. Just the long lay rumour arrived sort of a couple of days ago and anybody anybody that just follows football should know he's coming in as backup for Torres in case Torres gets burnt out from playing too many games. Or being replaced. <laughs> <laughs> well after that the only other, the other clatter on social media is centred around um, the England squad being announced and to nobody's surprise Ollie Watkins and well Ezra Konza has a couple of headlines <laughs> yeah. so they can't even get his name right so he's not going to get picked in the England squad if people can't get his name right that's how far off the radar he is especially when he's he's not playing a distinct position and you know as we said about Watkins he's not prolific at the moment and if Konza's playing right back good luck getting a game for England when they've got four really good right backs you just need look at the the England squad at the minute if you're putting in players like Harry Maguire and Calvin Phillips and even Jordan Henderson who's disappeared to Saudi Arabia it's just like the house of lords isn't it you've got a seat in the England squad for life if you earn once hmm. he's put a rod in his back there Southgate you can see how this is slowly transpiring it for, for his downfall because he used to talk about form as being a common denominator for selection but you can't say that now there's players that aren't even playing now and it's getting selected I understand that the Maguire, because you've got injuries of players that would normally be coming in. But uh, anyway, let's let's not dwell on the England situation. I've just got one headline game for you here. So this was before the Liverpool game, and it was Emery could unleash rarely seen 18 million gem. Aston Villa should unleash their teen sensation who could dismantle Jurgen Klopp's men. So who's the mystery man? Gem. Well, I think, I think the clue's in dismantle, but not for the right reasons. <laughs> Why is he injured? No. I don't know it's, who. It's John Duran, because John Duran's the only one that looked like he would actually put a fist in somebody in one of the <laughs> Liverpool swings and dismantle where, where them that Where was the 18 way. million from? 
That was the headline. So that's another one. He was 19 million, wasn't he? Was he? Did we spend that? I thought we paid about six. Nope. He's <laughs> he's up there. He was 19 million, John Duran. Was he? Oh, shit. Shit, we should have kept Archer. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the other media muppety thing was uh, the Saudi Pro League. You're obviously trying to promo a league, aren't you? You buy these players to promo the league, but also you don't have to actually buy the players to market that league and get the name out because this sell it to Saudi for 150 million or how much ever you don't you, you just have to put those rumors out if you're in the Saudi Pro League PR office in, in Saudi you can just contact some of these your Romanos and just say oh yeah so and so have put in a, an offer for Salah verbal offer 150 million he'll break it it'll spread everywhere it's going out to millions of people it's free free press it's, it's genius is it not I think they play that game yeah, and then they end up with Coutinho. Well, he's going maybe to Qatar. I mean, the Saudi stroke Qatar windows, they, they have got a few more. They've got over a week more to play in terms of buying in players. So it's not the end of the road in terms of outs. So you may still see Coutinho go. My stance on Coutinho is if you get your money back, then you, you can just sweep that one under the rug as if it never happened. It's like hope, isn't it? Where let's we just have one last good, road show. Just, yeah. But I don't think it's happening because... If you I mean, break he, down every time, it's like this, it's too much. Yeah. I don't think his body's there anymore. He's too easily injured. You don't even have to foul him, the injury. You just have to like put him off balance. and Just look at him and yeah. he's, he's off. Yeah, yeah. And, and for the outlay of wages, you, which we just we aren't that side yet who can afford to have such a big outlay of cash and not on the pitch yet. Yeah, and if you're planning on success, you don't want like, well, I hope we can get something from Coutinho. It's like you want definites or you know almost certainties. You don't want to be hoping on players... So if we get the money back, then fair enough. And, you know, it's a shame, but I always thought this at the start. I thought it's, it's just a big name that's to basically try to sell season tickets or up the waiting list. It's one of those kind of purchases rather than where does he actually fit in? Just a Brazilian glorified Ross McCormack. Ouch. <laughs> I think on that note, we should probably end the podcast. Yeah. And before we throw any more slander around, uh, I think oh, it's that's horrible, uh, David. Enjoy your international break. I'm, I'm uh, waiting for Coutinho's family to come after me. I'll be uh, lying low during it. <laughs> but enjoy your international break. And uh, we obviously will be out and about. Uh, up next will be uh, Europa Visions, where we get into the draw a little bit more and expectations from it. But until next time, it's goodbye from me and it's goodbye from them. Goodbye. Goodbye. You harsh bastard. (laughs) Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1, only from Rust-Oleum. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport, powered by fans.